Hello everyone, I'm Jonathan Little. I'm here today with episode 313 of Weekly Poker Hand, and today we're playing 2550-100 on Poker Night in America. Alec Trelli gets ace-king offsuit under the gun and raises it up to 300. Jennifer Tilly calls king-six of spades, which is a little bit splashy in the hijack seat, but whatever. Dan Zach wearing the fish hat, folds ace-seven offsuit. Um, around to me in the small blind with pocket jacks. This is a spot where I can definitely three-bet or call, but I think um, Alec Trelli plays a little bit tight and aggressive from early position, which, you know, is just good, fine poker. And whenever I'm against someone who's playing a little bit tight from early position, I typically just flat call some of the hands I don't necessarily want to 3-bet and then get 4-bet with. And if you think about it, if I do 3-bet to, let's say, 1,500 in the spot with jacks, and then Trelli makes it seven or makes it 4,000, 4, do I really want to be um, getting it all in for $15,000 here, which is how deep we are? And I think the answer is definitely not. So then I end up calling and then playing out of position on a lot of flops where he could just have aces, kings, or queens. It ends up being a pretty nasty spot. So while we certainly are pushing preflop equity by three betting, I think we're going to play this spot a little bit better by just calling. And I'm not going to say we are set mining, but we're kind of set mining with the idea that sometimes we're going to get an overpair that is likely good. So I definitely like calling in this situation knowing that I'm just going to be checking every flop and then we're going to get to see what develops a lot of the time, right? Like say it even does come 8-7-4. If we check and it goes like bet raise or bet call or something like that, we're going to start to be a little bit cautious. And sometimes we don't even put in any more money when it goes bet and raise, right? So I like calling and seeing what develops. The graphics are going to take a second to catch up here. Um, if you're listening to this on an audio podcast, well, you can also watch this with a video. It makes it way easier to follow. You can watch that at youtube.com slash poker coaching. So Steve Furman calls small blind with five, four diamonds and Gonzalez calls big blind with eight, seven offsuit, which is fine. I'm going to be checking every flop. Flop comes six, five, three. Let's take a second, see what everyone has. Um, we have, well, me with an overpair. We have Furman with five, four diamonds. So middle pair and backdoor, I'm sorry, middle pair, backdoor flush draw and an open-ended straight draw. We have Gonzalez with 8-7 for an open-ended straight draw. We have Torelli with nothing, ace-king. And we have Jennifer Tilly with king-six of spades for top pair backdoor flush draw. So almost everyone has something. This is a neat situation, though, where if you take a look at the equities, I only have 15% equity. Same with Jennifer Tilly. And the two players with the draws actually have 35-ish percent equity each. So even though I have the quote-unquote best hand at the moment... I'm actually not in very good shape. So I check flop. Furman elects to lead for $700 into the $1,500 pot with his middle pair and open-ended straight draw, which I actually think is kind of reasonable. Um, typically, you want to be leading with your best-made hands and your draws. So if I, I much prefer to lead with a hand like ace-4 because ace-4, if it gets an ace on the turn, it's randomly good. Um, whereas you see here, if he gets a 4, he loses, right? And if he gets a five, he's going to have a hard time getting paid. So this is not necessarily the ideal hand to lead, but sure, it's reasonable. Gonzalez calls, as I think he should, especially if you think when Furman leads, he's mostly going to have very strong made hands, like sets and two pairs. You don't really want to be raising into sets and two pairs, right? You'd much rather just call and try to get there. So he does call the 700. Jennifer Tilly is going to call the 700 with her top pair. And interestingly enough, when it goes 700 call, I actually think Jennifer Tilly should probably fold immediately. I know that it's... I mean, a pretty good hand, right? King six on six, five, three. What more do you want? But facing a lead and a call, I think you're going to be against enough combinations of better made hands and draws to the point that you really just don't love it. So I 
think she probably just wants to make a snug fold. One thing that I do, maybe a little bit more than other players, is just make early folds. And that really does keep you out of tough scenarios. Because imagine the turns any card besides a spade or a king or a six. Like, what is she really going to do if she faces a bet? And she's probably going to face a bet because there's two players in the pot, right? Not counting me, which, which I mean, it's kind of presumed I'm just dead and I'm never going to raise, right? So um, we have the lead and the call. Torelli folds, obviously, and then Tilly calls. So at this point, the only player I was really worried about having a good overpair was Alec Torelli. I do have to worry about the other callers having sets, but notice that if they had a set, they'd probably just raise immediately. So I can start discounting sets from their range, which means most likely the only person I really have to worry about here is Furman. And this is a cool spot where... If I do put in a raise and Furman then jams, I think I can easily fold. So it went 700 call, call. If I make it something like 3,000 and then Furman jams for 10,000 total, I don't love folding, but at the same time, I really don't think Furman is the type of guy to just rip it all in with his draws. I mean, we're about to see if that happens, right? Um, he was typically playing on the tightish side, and um, tightish players typically just aren't going to rip it in with their draws. So. For that reason, I definitely like the idea of raising in this scenario. If Gonzalez jams, I mean, for my $15,000 stack, I guess I'm going to fold. That would be unfortunate. If Tilly jams, I'm going to fold. But again, I don't think these players are the type of players to just want to risk their whole stacks on the flop. And you're going to find that in a lot of cash games, especially against more of like uh, the live pro type players, they're just not pushing whatever equity they have. And the neat part about here, this is, is that whenever you have the actual best hand based on your hand ranking, whenever players fold, whatever they fold, usually that equity goes to you compared to the players who have the draws, right? So if here we have Gonzalez with 8-7. He has 32% equity. If someone folds out, almost all their equity is going to be going to me. And that is very, very valuable. So notice I have 15% equity right now, and I'm going to put in a raise. I can already tell you that because I have the best hand, and I don't think I'm going to get shoved on all that often. So... Gets back around to me. Notice here I could have all sorts of sets, straights, two pairs, right? So my opponents can't um, just like mindlessly blast it on me because I would check raise sets, I check raise two pairs, etc. I do make it 2,800. I like that a lot. Maybe even a little bit bigger would be fine. Back around to Furman, he has to call 2,100 with his 5-4. It's a dicey spot, right? And this is actually a pretty good hand, middle pair and a draw. Like, what's he going to really do here? Ugh. I guess in this scenario, he should probably go ahead and call, just realizing he really needs to improve to win this pot. And if he doesn't improve, well, he's not going to win this pot. I think that's probably the right play. Yeah, you're inviting other people to call, but that's fine when you're essentially playing your hand as it is a draw. Like Furman's not calling here thinking my five's good, or his five is good. He's calling here thinking I need to get the seven or the two or the five. If he does take the pot heads up, if he gets a four, you probably have to stack off on that too. You don't love it, but you probably do. Um, so, dicey spot for him. But I, I would have called in his, in his scenario. But, after some thought, he's actually going to fold. And I think that's just a little bit too tight. So, he's giving it thought, giving it thought. And he's going to fold. And the merits to folding here are that you have two players yet to act who, you know, very easily could just jam on you. Like, if they have sets now, say Gonzalez or Tilly did slow play a set, they're just going to be all in. Say they did slow play the five or the 7-4, uh, they're just going to be all in. They slow played the 4-2, they're going to be all in. So this is a pretty tough spot for him being in the worst position, which really is like another reason to just not be leading all that often. Because if it goes check, check on the flop, now you essentially get to get information by seeing what the other players do. 
So Furman does fold, and then Gonzalez very quickly folds. Gonzalez is actually one of the more loose, splashy players at the table, and I'm kind of surprised he folded for 2,000 more into a pot that would be about 8,000 with 8-7 here because he's getting just very close to the right immediate pot odds to draw to the straight. And he knows whenever you're drawing to the nuts, it's nice because your draw is always very live. His problem here is that if a four comes, he's going to have a tough time getting paid. But even then, when you're just getting straight odds to draw, you don't really need implied odds, right? Also, I think it's pretty unlikely Jennifer Tilly jams all in at this point because you'd have to think she'd raise after a bet and a call on the flop with a really good hands. So whatever she has is um, not in great shape. So I, I definitely like the idea of calling with the 8-7. I'm surprised that he folded it. Background Jennifer Tilly. Does she stick around now? Do take a look at the equities, by the way. Um, whenever Furman folded, my equity immediately jumped up to 40-something percent. When Gonzalez folded, my equity jumped up to 75%. So by raising here, we got both players with 35-ish um, percent equity each to fold, and the vast majority of that went to me, which is very relevant. Background to Jennifer Tilly. 2,000 more to a pot that's going to be 8,000. I mean, gosh, with uh, top pair, backdoor flush draw, overcard, I think I'd all probably call this one too. I wouldn't like it, but being in position, I think here, it's probably okay to peel. Again, the problem is you could just be dead, right? So of the other two players, I would definitely have called with their, their hands because they're very rarely just stone dead. I get 5-4, could be dead when I have 7-4, but that's pretty hard for me to have. 8-7 um, is never dead because you're just drawn to the nuts. And, um, you know, Tilly could be dead. So of the players involved, I don't mind Tilly's fold. If Tilly was first to act with the other two players yet to act, I definitely would have folded. But um, being that she's closing the action, is probably okay to stick around. You are going to find, though, like I said, in cash games, people just really don't want to play big pots on the flop in spots where they have marginal holdings. And you can take advantage of that by putting in raises with all sorts of stuff and putting them in tough spots. Like, notice if I had ace four here. Maybe I should just be raising. I'm probably not raising all that often, but maybe I should. If people are going to be folding out the hands that they folded in this scenario, that is going to work out very, very well for me. And you may say, oh, you're just a knit and they're folding because they think you have the nuts. The thing is, though, is that I've actually been playing a lot of pots. At this table, I'm probably the third loosest player behind um, Tilly and Gonzalez. So it's not like I'm being a knit or anything. I'm actually playing a lot of hands. And despite that, they're still folding. And maybe this is a function of being on TV. Maybe a lot of people don't want to look silly on TV by, um, you know, paying off the knit poorly. But this one worked out amazingly well because I had 15% equity and then we put in a raise and then all of a sudden we have 100 so that's going to be it for this episode of Weekly Poker Hand. Hope you enjoyed it. Good luck in your games this week. Have fun, and I'll talk to you next time.